0: I light a candle to our love, in love our problems disappear, but all in all, we soon discover... Or act on earthlets! My name is Conrad, alongside my friend Fox, and this is the 109th episode of Space Spinner 2000, a podcast where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time this episode we're covering 2080 for january 1984 progs 350 to 353 this week dread gets pied rogue gets covert and dr and Quinch go straight and uh if you want to read along with us this episode you'll find the comics we're covering today in judge dread the complete case files one and seven rogue trooper tales of new earth two slain warriors dawn and the complete dr and quench oh and uh strong team dog case files too yes Quinch got its own book yeah oh,
1: that's kind of cool
0: you know we'll cover it as we go but yeah they got a bunch of episodes and stuff they're going to be sort of a regular feature for the first half of this year essentially oh that's really excellent
1: i fucking yeah, love dr and quench
0: they're fun man bunch of alien delinquents uh, doing their thing and speaking of uh, alien criminals fox we oh, go straight hell. to <laughs> wow. through one strontium dog so script robot for Strontium Dog is Alan Grant, art robot Carlos Osca, and lighting robot Jack Potter. So, oh man, so you know Strontium Dog Fox. We're just sort of let's we're just setting the scene for the start of the new year here. Mm-hmm. Strontium Dog is the story of Johnny Alpha, a mutant human with magical eye abilities. He can like see through walls and blah blah blah.
1: Magical
0: uh, eye abilities. Yeah, can like ma- sometimes you can like uh, charm people into to make them giving him oh, give him yeah. information and stuff. He's just got different eye powers, man. Um, he
1: jumps into your brain skull, right? Yeah.
0: He's got non-beam-based eye powers. Like, he can't, he can't cyclops you, but he can, like, see through a wall. Um, and it's him and his partner, Wolf, who is a uh, future Viking kind of guy. Yeah,
1: and, he's, got, he's got his W's, his V's, he's got a giant hammer, and he has a small obsession with cucumbers.
0: are cucumbers, yeah, and they've all arrived on a planet with an unpronounceable name nicknamed Zed. It's mostly unremarkable, except for each year they hold a ritual called The Killing.
1: It's a it's an unpronounceable name in an inhospitable planet. If it's in the exact center of the Milky Way, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Which fair is enough. Where it is apparently, yeah. I'm, I'm hyper
0: impressed. <laughs> so the killing is an ancient death right, um, where basically people from, from this scene. people from all over the galaxy come to their planet to fight for the death. We see a huge line of people signing up, given their name, and then listing their two weapons like uh one get like a uh, one guy's got a melter and a gutting hook and another guy's got a napalm blaster and a bigger napalm <laughs> blaster
1: <laughs> i it just seems like such a strange formality I mean, it's like okay, you get two weapons, right? But it yeah. doesn't seem like there's anything hyper strict. I guess just don't bring a giant bomb or something. But it's like yeah. choice of weapon, and then second weapon. There doesn't seem to be a lot of uh, a lot of discretion around
0: Mm-mm. which one of these things is not allowed. No, nah, man, no. It's just there for, so they can handicap it and sort of know what's going to be coming up there when they do the announcing for it as they people oh, that's watch great. it. We see, uh, the despots of Zed, the rich aliens who run the place, like, living in luxury, and, like, talk about how, like, oh, like, you know, like, we had to clear out a couple city blocks for the killing. I just sold them into slavery, whatever.
1: <laughs> you didn't have to rehome them. What are you, crazy? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Making this money. Um... A sacrifice is brought into the despots as Johnny and Al- as Johnny Alpha and Wolf check into the killing. Johnny's got his variable cartridge blaster and a time bomb. Wolf <laughs> has a Webley custom blaster, I think Webley custom blaster, and the hat and Dare Happy Stick, his Viking Hammer Boom. <laughs> you has got to
1: just, like, thwomp it on the table so that yeah. everyone knows you mean business.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, so the killers are all given maps, and they must head to a starting point and then kill everybody. Kill everyone else in the last winner the last man standing gets big money. There's 95 contestants, and we who are not about to die salute them. <laughs> in a very
1: awkward and not great feeling salute. <laughs> they, they were, they're doing their salute that they're doing. Yeah is very uncomfortable. While, (laughs) you know, I get it's a Roman Imperial salute. It's also like got some connotations yeah. behind it, maybe.
0: Well, because it's like you know, because the, the in in Rome, the gladiators would say that to the people they were they, they were fighting for. So now it's the people who are watching them fight saying it to them. I guess. I gotcha. It's still, right, yeah, still messed up. These despots are not good guys.
1: Um, <laughs> the, if you ever wanted to specifically
0: marry someone
1: to not being a good guy, they nailed
0: it. <laughs> absolutely. Um, so, Johnny and Wolf plan a rendezvous as the despots perform the sacrifice to start the killing, as they always do, which is to sacrifice a 44-year-old barber. I uh,
1: Is there, like, a thing here I'm missing? Or is it just, like, yucks because barber?
0: I feel like that's just such an, ob- uh, an obscure set of setups that it's just funny that, they, that <laughs> that's what they execute. I could be I mean, wrong, I'd,
1: though. They definitely kill that fucking barber. Yeah,
0: they execute him. The horn is sounded. Let the killing begin!
1: Man, I want like a a Doctor Seuss striped massive horn to.
0: scarlet loves own doing Kelly those games. stripes. We've seen them a bunch in like different things that he's drawn. Actually, that's sort of like just a stripey like spaceship and things like that. Um oh, yeah. But so the killing's underway. There's money to be won, dues to be killed, despots to entertain. As the despots themselves enter the massive like TV room by walking on a living red carpet draped over the citizens of their planet. It's
1: really, really great. Although, like, what the guy... So one dude's like, this is really awesome. You made hit, like, this is so crazy. And the other one's like, nah, it's so common. I'm like, what is common about walking over, like, 90 dudes?
0: Maybe it's just been done before. You know, there's always one guy at your despot show of force that's all like, oh, I've already seen this. This is last year's torture implements, you know? Like, get wow. out of here, man.
1: Yeah, no, seriously. Way to let down a that cool murder party yeah
0: some of us are not just being evil for the gram buddy <laughs> so, <laughs> The uh, the first contestant to die is a dude that gets eaten by a giant acid jelly oh, monster that dude. was so
1: gross and awesome
0: <laughs> comes from the ceiling lands on him and just starts digesting him Meanwhile, Giant uh, Alpha Goat or Johnny and Wolf go to meet up. Johnny coming under fire from this dude with an elephant nose, Claw Kerm, and now we see why why the dogs are here at the killing. So genius. They like check Kerm's bounty to see that he's got a uh, bounty on him and then Johnny kills him to claim that like wanted dead or alive bounty, you know?
1: I, a good thing to note for the new listener is the reason that he wasn't wearing a hat and now is wearing a hat is that his helmet actually records the kills well, so right. he can he can confirm to his bounty uh whatever the guys who collect mm-hmm. um that yeah, he that actually he, did it
0: yeah to verify that he killed somebody without having to like carry around pieces of them or something weird i, like I that.
1: didn't know that when i first started this i'm like why is he wearing a hat and then now not wearing a hat yeah, so, yeah that's so why he's famous. got it
0: yeah he's got a distinctive helm, a distinctive viewer on his on his helmet for sure Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so they see, so Claw Kerm's got a bounty of like 375 Kluwlax or whatever. Um, it seems like uh, Johnny takes him out and, um, it seems like they've got, you know, they've got their first kill. They're, they're on the bounty board. The hard part's going to be surviving to claim the dough. Uh, yeah. God, good.
1: I, I'm so excited.
0: <laughs> yeah. Wolfman manages to take down another bounty. Um, he, like, throws his hammer behind him as the bad guy comes out of a sewer grate. Oh, that's
1: like, right. And just, like, murders him right then and there. Yeah.
0: The guys are uh, reunited and it's time to make some money. Um, meanwhile, there's other contestants also making their presence felt. Um, so far, eight people have been killed in the killing, mostly by a dude named Vicious Malicious.
1: <laughs> he's the dude who came in with the
0: yeah. one blaster and the other blaster. Yeah, he had one napalm blaster and a bigger napalm blaster. Meanwhile, Johnny and Wolf are taking down a gross blob monster called The Thing before it can disembowel another contestant with a gutting knife. What's, um. what's
1: funny is so, so far we've seen them name uh, a dude. Now this guy's getting named for a bounty, which, hey, he's worth a lot. But after they kill and ice this guy, they check the dude he was killing because they might actually kill him. No yeah. bounty.
0: Yeah, so they're just like, get, get out of here. We aren't here to kill people for free. <laughs> but, <laughs> and he's like, oh, thank you so much for sparing me, or whatever. He like bows to them, but they get shot in the back by another uh, by an unknown assailant as the dogs dive for cover. Shot through the heart, and you're too late. You give the dogs a bad name. <laughs> so it looks like they're being attacked by a trio of lizard guys the dirty clones they've got a total bounty of half a million credits johnny comes up shooting with a number four cartridge while a wolf sneaks around to take out a sec the the third one
1: number four cartridge also i mean just to say it explodes
0: (laughs) yeah it doesn't even show you what happens to him there's just an explosion and there's nothing left that's the most powerful cartridge So Um, great. Wolf takes down the third one, but as that one dies, in its death contraction, it manages to tag Wolf in the ankle with its poison tail spike. Oh, God, this is real bad,
1: uh, because this poison's not good. I guess I'm going to have to suck it out of the wound.
0: Yeah, Johnny manages to suck most of the poison out of the wound, but Wolf does need medical care quick. They head down to a nearby uh, med post, like a first aid kind of thing. Wolf's health is quickly failing as the effects of the poison, and as they approach, we see a duo of alien killers inside, waiting to take our guys out. Next time, beware the jabberdock. Oh
1: man, like, just Starting out this year on a goddamn bang, man. I love this story so much, Conrad.
0: This is a real great story. You know, it's really actually reminding me of uh, the current trend in video games here in uh, in summer of 2018. Like, you could make, like, one of these Battle Royale games based on the killing, like, pretty easily. (laughs) Like, you get... You get assigned two weapons and some kind of weird alien type, and <laughs> you're the man
1: every... with the highest bounty is the winner. Winner chicken dinner.
0: Yeah, or just you know, it's just a fight to the death, basically. But you know, uh, maybe like the bounties on the guys like let you give let you be able to buy weapons in between rounds or something like that. You know.
1: Okay, don't give away ideas for free, Conrad. That's like well, let's just make that video
0: game. Okay, listen. If you're down, then let's do it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, all right, everyone who just heard that, let's just keep that between us. Don't share it. We're trusting you.
0: Yeah, don't be jerks.
1: That's the extent of the joke I had. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, no, let's have a pitch meeting tomorrow. Anyhow, (laughs) um, and speaking of young men who are up to some crazy schemes, Fox. Oh, wow. (laughs) Really? Thrill to DR and Quinch. So, script robot Alan Moore, art robot Alan Davis, letting robot Steve Potter. Oh, man. So, this one is the start of the story. DR and Quinch go straight. We last saw these guys destroying the Earth as part of an extensive practical joke back in Prog 317. Jeez. Um, it's, you know, DR and Quinch. There's a big, one's a big tusked pink alien named Ernest Errol Quinch. and uh, The other one's a lanky green alien with a pompadour who's named waldo diminished responsibility uh dobbs that's (sighs) dr um you know and they're like college students that get into trouble and they seem to spend a lot more time just sort of blowing things up and killing people than like going to school or whatever (laughs) Um, i feel like trouble's uh yeah such a light term some say genocide some say trouble others say war crimes (laughs) um And, you know, they're just happy-go-lucky young guys who, like, tell their own story, you know? We, we open up and we see them in court getting read the Riot Act by a judge for a bunch of crimes. Uh, arson, kidnapping, theft, grievous wounding, possession of an unlawful atomic weapon, conspiracy to overthrow the government, uh, coveting thy neighbor's ox, grave robbing, all kinds of stuff.
1: Forging uh. sacred relics. <laughs> 714 separate driving events. Fences, transmuting base metals into gold.
0: (laughs) They're pretty much taking a well, actually. Like they're just sort of sitting at the thing, like listening to it. Dr. asks what the judge's name is. um, And the next page, it gets really funny because we see like, the, the camera kind of pulls out we see that the court is completely full ceiling to roof with people calling for their deaths, including... And, and, like, riot police in the front. Yeah, they're all surrounded by riot police. There's several signs that say hang them in various languages and at least two Jeez. nooses. Um oh God. DR, in his, like, sort of really, like, incredibly, like, supercilious way of speaking, like, you know how, like, one of the funny things about, like, Bill and Ted, like in, in that movie, was they used like big words occasionally, like, you know, like that's when saying radical had sort of its own funny thing of just that's a ridiculous thing for a hippie to say in the first or for like a, a down out stoner to say in the first place, you know? Yeah. Like DR and Quinch are like that hardcore. They just really speak in this like super, like, half beatnik, half like overeducated jerk kind of way, I guess.
1: Yeah. Uh. We're fantastically, incredibly sorry for all these extremely unreasonable things we did.
0: Exactly. Um, so, Dr. in the courthouse apologizes. He says they're just a pair of messed up college students with their lives ahead of them and ask for another chance. And that seems to work. Um.
1: <laughs> they're, they're, they're going to get a small cut to their sentence if they can show a shred of decency.
0: Right. So, they've got to come back here in a month with proof of their charitable acts. <laughs> Um, So alright The boys decide to do this right away They blast into a library Find the judge's address and learn The house next door to him is for sale And then they blast over to the Home for for distressed war veterans And find their friend Plunger Plunger? Yes. Oh. A veteran <laughs> of the fighting in the in the uh, Govogi slime jungles. And, ooh, he's just got some serious murder problems.
1: <laughs> he's like he's killing that four-armed Teddy Goro bear.
0: Yeah. Just Hates everything. murders
1: it to death
0: <laughs> after making sure that he'd be down with it. Um, The boys head over to the Charities Commission and set up Massacre House, a charitable institution caring for threatening ugly men with guns and unstable personalities right next door to the judge for their case.
1: (laughs) I mean, they are giving these uh, war heroes a place so they can feel like maybe they're back in war times, just like, you know, just really adjust to nothing.
0: Yeah. But it's uh, safe, right? Plunger, plunger and guys show up from the home and just start playing crazy war games fueled by booze and high grade weapons at masquer- that Masquerade is <laughs> stocked with. Um they're doing late-night mortar, uh, uh uh mortar firings, just uh they tear up the whole yard, turn into a trench system. It's good times. The judge is furious, but can't really do anything because it's for charity. Uh, and at the same time, Dr. makes a call and arranges for a visit from the Gavogin Embassy for a few days from now. And then treat the wife, the judge and his wife, to a series of late night mortar practices. Charity's its own reward. Uh, <laughs> oh God! So. DR and Quinch have set up a, established a heavily armed fortification in a suburban neighborhood. They're shooting guns all over the place. And then the judge, and when Judge Thork Wong complains, DR does some pretty snazzy, uh, weaponization of charity language and sympathy and like patriotism oh against him, you know? like Like Fox says these are war heroes that we're just giving a home how can you uh, be against that you know what do you hate the flag Um, pretty much it's horrible because of this DR and Quinch are hailed as cool charitable dudes by the mayor and stuff and the and uh judge uh Uh, a Thorkwung who's also you know a political climber like all uh grown-ups are um like takes credit for Masker House being set up and stuff like oh yes it was all my idea for these boys to uh start this thing and the mayor's like oh very good judge like you know you've shown your good judgment once again at which point um the uh Gavogi delegation arrives for a visit and all the kill crazy vets see this as a sneak attack and start you know shooting everybody it's an international incident and the judge get and the judge gets all the blame meanwhile I mean hey we're back at war now <laughs> yeah the, the war restarts it's, it's an interstellar incident as dr and Quinn sort of sneak away to hang out in a luxury hotel with the leftover money they got from the Charities Commission hey, why not <laughs> so it's good times Um... <laughs> Send up up your your largest
1: bellboy who has a lot of credit cards.
0: Yeah, the judge gets the blame and goes to prison. uh, Plunger gets re-enlisted in the military because the war is restarted. And Dr. and Quinch plan to feed a bellboy to a bathtub full of space piranhas.
1: It's real good. Everybody wins, kind of, mostly. I mean,
0: in that quite a few people lose, yes. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Next up. It's Dr. and Quinch go girl crazy. Oh man,
1: someone's going soft this time. It's from uh, it's from uh Quinch's perspective. No,
0: so so far it's always been from Quinch's perspective, I believe. Really? Oh, I don't know. Maybe it jumps back and forth. Now I am thinking think the last.
1: About it. Yeah, it's so the last two were all uh, Dr. Yeah, yeah, and and him just kind of rationalizing his insanity. <laughs> but these next two are going to be Quinch. Where he's sort of experiencing
0: DR going through. Yeah, changes. Oh. <laughs> so Quinch is driving around destroying things and reflecting on how DR is his only friend. He pops into DR's apartment only to find him pretending to be a real square to impress a cute dog lady named uh, Chrysoprasia. That's how I'm going to pronounce it. Yep,
1: <laughs> it, it has a real Archie vibe to it if Archie was
0: made to be a homicidal maniac. Exactly. <laughs> DR says that Quinch is this guy from the slow reading group that he's been tutoring, and Cryoprasia <laughs> thinks that that's just wonderful.
1: Oh, um, you're so nice helping out the less
0: fortunate. Yeah, DR is clearly both pissed at Quinch for trying to get in on his on his attempt to scam this chick, and he's pissed at Cryoprasia for requiring him to scam her. <laughs> yeah. They go to a youth club that Quinch has previously destroyed, and everybody like as he walks in is like, No, please, I don't have any money. <laughs> you just, just take it and go. And uh yeah, it just seems like you know Dr is just getting super booty blind by his new girlfriend. You know, he he thinks he's in love, and he says that since uh, Cryoprasia's father is like the head of the drama club, like he is the lead, he he got the lead role in like this in the, in this play, and so practicing it's going to take a lot of time out from their hanging out, and this is basically you know, sorry, like I'm too much in love for us to go around destroying things.
1: And so it's, what does Quinch do? It's he a does bummer. full red fucking dragon. Or, yeah. as some people know, it's Silence
0: of the Lambs 2 on this poor woman. Ah, he, uh, I am
1: changing. Do you see?
0: Serious question, Fox. Is this the end of DR and Quinch? No. Nah, dog! Instead, Quinch does a sensible thing. Namely, he kidnaps Criaprazia off the street, uh, takes her to his secret hideout, and forces her to watch videos of Dr. committing a seemingly endless string of atrocities. Well, I, it's just... I would say that this is is him a clockwork-oranging her, oh, by the way.
1: yeah. Except, yeah, 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 yeah. I
0: mean, there's. he doesn't, like, tie her down or do, like, the eye-toothpicks or anything. But it's the same way of just showing somebody a bunch of videos to change their personality, essentially.
1: And the way she changes is uh, not that she's horrified. It's that she doesn't realize the kind of man he is, and she wants to make him happy. So she turns into a psychopath.
0: <laughs> That's right. Yeah. She goes real crazy. She, it, cha- it it it. it, it. Instead of causing her to break up with DR, it breaks her personality and sees it be rebuilt as her new ultra-violent personality, Crazy Chrissy.
1: Instead of her ears being pointed down, now she's a full pointed up up dog point. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Hey, what's an up dog, Fox? (sighs) (laughs) Also, have you seen my friend, D's Nuts? Um, Anyhow, (laughs) she starts drinking Quinch's beer and goes to buy a tough new wardrobe, gets a tattoo, and is basically um, uh, Olivia Newton-Johnning from Greece all over the place. (laughs) Tell me about it, Stud. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Lounging in the back of Quinch's car, she orders him to drive to the school play to show Dr. the new her. Uh, Quinch is like nervous about what's happened and what's going to happen from this and stuff. But he's also real afraid that Chrissy's going to rip his face off. And what are you going to do, man? Women. Am I right? Yeah. Lol, lol, lol. <laughs> can't live with them. Can't brainwash him out of your life. Anyhow, uh, next time <laughs> a night at the
1: theater. So this should teach any of you uh, younglings listening to this podcast that While it may seem like a good idea to drive your car real fast, snatch a lady who's been hogging up all your boy's time, and then show her a bunch of horrible films that break her mind, could come back to bite you in the ass.
0: I mean, I feel like the official stance of Space Spinner 2000 is have a conversation before you kidnap, and probably don't kidnap at all.
1: (laughs) Strong agree for with the, that. It's definitely record. 100% <laughs> <laughs>
0: Just, All right, cool. <laughs> don't, don't arrest me. I didn't do anything. Um, anyhow. <laughs> wow. But speaking of being, uh, I don't know, taken against your will to a strange place. <laughs>
1: well, I mean, uh, optionally, I guess. It, I mean, it's sort of that, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, no, you're right. Okay, S- yeah. Spe- yeah.
0: Speaking of a uh, continued song parodies, I guess it's um, through three rogue trooper. I like your face. Um, so script robot Jerry Finley Day, art robot Cam Kenny, lettering robot Tony Jacob. Oh man, Rogue is in the center page and in color in prog three fifty. It's fucking a rare fire, sight. Yeah, um, a, a rare sight for a character who has a defining element of being blue that you barely actually <laughs> see him. As blue. But anyhow, uh, Rogue Trooper, he's a genetically engineered super soldier in the far future, accompanied by the spirits of his dead squadmates in computer chips embedded in his war gear. Um, they walk the land of New Earth, a war torn planet where the two forces, the Norts and the Southers, fight for control. And he's blue, man. He's like a crazy alien guy. It's the future. He's got a gun. He's got a gun and a backpack and a helmet. And all three of them talk. And the gun. Also, they can control. And also, like the backpack and and the gun are real cool because they can like shoot themselves or fire mini mines and stuff. And the guy who's the helmet is a hat, and that's cool too, I guess. Yes.
1: He's good as a he's good as a pillow. He's been used to knock dudes in the face. He can sometimes scan things when they're close. He, you know what he can't scan, Conrad? I guess hmm. space lasers that box you in.
0: I mean, you know, they're way up there. So Rogue's walking around through like a petrified forest or something when uh, a satellite high up in space starts blasting lasers at him. Whoa. A zoom he's got to dodge around and surrounded by the rubble of the former petrified forest a space shuttle touches down crewed by three dudes one with no ears one with no eyes and one with no mouth
1: oh man ain't that ominous about that one thing it's one of those yeah hear that, that no evil thing.
0: speak no evil see no evil kind of things yeah um, yeah but, anyhow uh computer voice identifies itself as Souther and asks rogue to come aboard and rogue's like what the hell like i'll go you know i'm yeah. a super i'm genetically engineered super, super soldier and my official code name is yolo um <laughs>
1: <laughs> i mean when someone tells me they have a proposition and they're not immediately shooting at me maybe it's totally safe
0: exactly so he gets on the ship they fly up to this satellite And there's Um, Captain
1: America. I mean, whatever. Yeah, Captain Cornwall,
0: Covert. Yeah, the satellite is owned by Colonel Covert, who has a cave in the Covert part. He definitely looks like a. Definitely a good guy. Totally, he looks like a super a a cybernetic Captain America, like Fox says. And he is in charge of OP of OPS off planet strategies. His job is a secret, and he deals in information—information like the like the location of Rogue's nemesis, the traitor general, or even a hot, genetically engineered super soldier, Babe Venus Blue Jeans.
1: My vote is get the
0: Venus Blue Jeans information first. Get revenge. Uh, The colonel will give Rogue all that info. If he does a secret mission for him, Rogue agrees. Welcome to the secret war. <laughs> oh, God. So, Rogue's on a spaceship in color, headed for the moon of Torpor, which is one of the moons that orbits New Earth, I guess. Mm-hmm. He's- being sent to investigate Nort actions there by Colonel Covert. Besides his usual stuff, Rogue's got this body waiter pack, which is basically a backpack for his front. A front pack? Uh, kind of, I guess. Um, that's got like will let him ca- that will counteract the moon's gravity, and it's got a comm link that keeps him in contact with Covert. Uh cell phone
1: now- right in the box.
0: That's right. Yeah, it's like one of those uh nineteen eighties cell phones where you had to carry it around oh in a bag. Like uh Danny Glover in uh, in the first Lethal Weapon movie. So yes. it's a it's a cell phone, but it's still got like a cord because it connects to this like man purse that you're carrying around. <laughs> um, so anyhow, as soon after uh, Rogue lands, he comes to this giant statue, which is a memorial to the first old Earth explorers that came to New Earth when the Southers and Norths were united. And it's this big kind of like troops raising the flag at Iwo Jima kind of statue. And I think it's interesting, because it's got a big, like, rock... Like, it's, it's a it's a giant stone statue, and there's even a stone flag on it that depicts the old, um, like, United Earth logo, which is both the, the Nort logo and the Souther logo, like, sort of superimposed on each other, basically. Um, so, but beyond that statue, Fox, uh-huh. Rogue notices there's living movement, there's life forms, but not in suits. Could the Norts be building their own genetic infantry, man? They definitely are. Oh yeah, totally. Uh, they got metal like skull helmets and bluish green. Like a volcano, green- not yeah, a partial volcano. And- <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, and they got bluish green skin. Um, and they're all camped out at this old lunar base. Um, but they spot one, spot rogues and attacks. Rogue man just to kill that guy with a spiky rock. But then when another one shows up, gunners start shooting and it blows their cover. Oh, man, you don't just shoot bullets on the moon. It's going to make moon moon noises. Um, (laughs) More troops come running at them, and Rogue is only getting static when he tries to contact Colonel Covert about it. They've been marooned on the moon. Man. (laughs) Marooned. Marooned. Moon oh, Okay, I'm that. Moon feels good <laughs> Okay, fair um, So, stranded on the moon Rogue seems to be out of options He can't let the Northers take him alive Because it would advance their GI technology So uh, he gets a couple grenades from Bagman Moves out of range of his gear And blows himself up Oh no!
1: Oh my god, I guess he did that A brave act, GI see, Seriously
0: yeah, kills himself. As he does, the Nord troopers arrive and just find a, a pile of rogue's gear and a freaking crater. <laughs>
1: and, and then, in in possibly the most classic of moves from Rogue Trooper, yeah, <laughs> does
0: well, this so much after they take his after they take all of his stuff back to base. Rogue Trooper appears that he did do his classic Rogue Trooper move, which is to instantly dig a hole like deep underground and cover himself with it so no one can see him, like. Low-key, one of Rogue Trooper's most important powers is his ability to tunnel like Bugs Bunny, and no one talks about it.
1: It's really true.
0: Um, Because he was just able to just completely, like, dig a hole in a couple minutes that would completely cover him and not have, like, a mound of dirt above him that looked freshly dug. And also did it quietly enough to fool his own war gear. (laughs) Right? God, because they don't
1: say anything, because they're the
0: blabbiest blabs in the fucking room. Well, you definitely got to not tell these guys, because they will tell about it. They don't care. They're, like, biochips. Yeah, pretty much. Anyhow, uh, Rogue comes out. He puts on the clothes of one of the dead Nort GIs, and Old trick in the books his way into the base. (laughs) Except
1: they're green. He's blue. No one's noticing this. Well,
0: luckily, at this point, Rogue Trooper has moved into the black and white pages, so it's not immediately noticeable. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so that Rogue's able to go in and trick his way at least enough to learn that there's a Nort plan to assault several Souther bases at mm-hmm. once during a heavy chem cloud storm. But during the briefing, one Nort does indeed recognize Rogue's skin is different from the other GIs. And that means that Rogue's got to spring into action, grabbing his stuff and taking down them Norts. He's
1: doing it. He's yeah. shot a guy.
0: Shotting a lot of guys. During the firefight, the Conlink the con comes to life. It's Colonel Covert. Next time, Damned Lies. And once again, Rogue Trooper got it tricked. Seems like it. I mean, we got to see what... I mean, it could have been an honest like signal malfunction or something, but I am interested to see what Colonel Covert has to say for himself and all the rest everyone, of the, s- the stuff that's going on. Nearly
1: everyone he's met has been evil, and nearly every time someone could have been called Colonel Covert with a C, but they got a K, means they're double bad, dude.
0: I mean, your, your point is strong. <laughs> like, but the, like, the aliens at the at the weren't um, evil. They were, those guys were cool dudes.
1: Yeah, but that's because they're aliens, man. They're, it's a totally different thing. They're, they were Whoa. basically crapped on by everybody. The crapped on people don't get screwed. like, Remember that? Well, sorry, let me rephrase. They do get yeah. screwed. There was that indigenous culture that was there that helped them out, even though they weren't allowed or didn't want to, and then they mm-hmm. got killed. Oh, yeah, yeah, but They yeah. weren't uncool,
0: right? Like, That's wrote, true.
1: Rose a walking time bomb for your death.
0: Yeah, it's true. I mean, that is true. He's got a very uh, very uh, murder-she-wrote kind of thing where just, like, wherever oh he goes, someone gets murdered, you know? And at some point, it's like, hey, I feel like Angela Lansbury has at least some <laughs> um, hand <laughs> in this. Or at least Listen. she should recognize herself as an angel of death and change her life accordingly, you know? And
1: Angela Lansbury gets a 100% pass for all murders because she was in knobs and Broomsticks. It's the lead character.
0: I mean, hey, I like Angela Lansbury too, but, you know, Murder, She Wrote is right about a lot of murders that actually happened it's, to her. And it's it, not like she's a cop or anything. It's different it's for weird. Columbo. He's a police officer.
1: So <laughs> weird off-topic to that is that uh, that is the fictional town that has the most murders ever recorded out of any television series.
0: I can I can believe it for the sure. She
1: wrote quite a few fucking
0: people. Yeah, that's you know. I mean, In every it's episode, a, technically it's, speaking. You know, I'll, I'll I'll tell myself and say that that this is kind of a hack joke, but yeah, no, it's true. Anyhow, <laughs> well, <laughs> anyhow, speaking of things that are kind of hacky, Fox. Oh yeah, it's oh, non-thrills not. covers a nerve center. So we start with Prog 350. DR and Quinch go straight with explosions. This is a super fun Alan Davis cover. There's DR and Quinch like hanging out with their buddies. This is actually a pretty popular um, 2080 cover. Like It shows up a lot when they sort of just want to do some iconic 2080 covers.
1: I can understand. There's rockets. Yeah. There's bullets. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. In the nerve center, Tharg the Warlock welcomes us to Prague 350. So cool. and to 1984. Oh, yeah. yeah. Welcome to January. <laughs> it's always time. And it's also, you know, and of course the return of DR and Quinch, etc. There's a picture of Sam Slade, a Robo Hunter Slain uh, mashup. Letters about um the upcoming Seacon uh, 1984 a comic book convention. Um. Hmm. A list of asteroids with names similar to 2000 AD characters, including an Urso one. And a diss on Cambridge College, which has no 2000 AD club, unlike Oxford, which has several. Oh, Oh. it's a thing about English universities that I definitely don't know the politics about. All right. (laughs) Yeah, I guess... One yeah, is t- better than the other t- now. Take that, Cambridge. Um, <laughs> anyhow, mid-prog, there's a list of things to come in 1984, including Nemesis Book 4, The Stainless Steel Rat Runs for President, The Return of the ABC Warriors, oh, and more. Oh, oh God. This going to be so good. ABC Warriors will be coming back in the form of Nemesis the Warlock, just to spoil you. Um, oh. Yeah, and there's also so something... Good. Yeah, wait. It's it's this fall though, so don't hold your breath. Is what I'm saying. And there's also the mega plan, which well, I guess we'll find out when we get to it. Um, Going to be one
1: a good plan. It's a huge plan.
0: I yeah. Um, I'm not. I I know what it is. I'm not super impressed. Um, and this <laughs> this prog ends with a 1984 calendar featuring the top half of Tharg. Man. It's uh, it's weirdly colored, in my opinion. Um.
1: Uh, it's, my favorite is the one to come, which is just the bottom half, because I didn't realize that the back was the top half calendar, so when (laughs) I got there, it was just some pants. What are
0: these legs? Yeah, um, just a reminder that 1984 is a leap year, so it's a pretty uncommon, like, setup of days. The next time you'll be able to use this calendar is 2040. Oh my god. Though it would have been useful in 2012 as well. Anyhow, um... Pog 351, and this was a song reference I was making at the start of Rogue Trooper. He's a giant steps. Oh, what Rogue takes a in on the moon. Oh, wow! <laughs> Beautiful. Um, Rogues in front of a cool, of that cool memorial in space. In this Cam Kennedy cover. In the nerve Center, Tharg the Negative apologizes for Dread being a repeat, as we'll see later, um, mm-hmm. for this one. And, and next one, there's also a Johnny Alpha picture, letters asking about flesh, some rogue trooper questions. Hell yeah. And someone who read 2000 AD on top of the Great Pyramid at Giza, which is crazy. Oh. all right then. You know, we got a lot of these letters that are like weird places. People have read 2000 AD to sound cool, you know? Um... There's also a question, sorry. And there's also a question about using a, a time travel device to bring back Moses Quest. But I believe the explanation is that, like the time droog, which they've used to bring people back back to life, just for some quick questioning, only lasts temporarily. So it wasn't really, you know, yet uh, they had to get use necromancy to try to bring them back. Uh, Mid prog there's uh, a tiny.
1: It just lets me say once more again my favorite line, which is "Gone to space, I owe you one,
0: Child Core." <laughs> We're, we're, we're gonna make this happen, buddy. <laughs> Mid so- prog there's a tiny insert of the Cyclops from Crow, wh- which is cool. Yeah. And then this issue ends with the second half of that 1984 calendar with the legs.
1: <laughs> yes,
0: pants. It was always All pants. Second half of the year. <laughs> Prague 352. Alan Grant. Or sorry, Alan Davis draws a DR and Quinch again, blasts him through a wall, but all DR can think about is that he's in love. Oh, I guess. I love yeah. their car. It's got eyes and a mouth and totally it's awesome. Yeah. It's like it's like um, if you took the land speeder that Luke drives in the first Star Wars movie and like made it a little bit more phallic and drew a face on the front of it. That's basically what they got. <laughs> Awesome, it is awesome in the nerve center. Metal Tharg tells us about the extended, uh, slain slain section coming up in Frog 352. There's oh, a hell picture, yeah. yeah, it's awesome. There's a picture of Mega City Punk and letters asking where the Gronk is. Um, yeah, where is the Gronk? You know, he's back home, he's it's too dangerous to take him to the killing. Jesus, like you can't have the Gronk in there. I'm just um, saying
1: right now would be the best time for the grung to be
0: there. I mean, that's super, but his heart's couldn't take the constant violence of the uh, of the killing and stuff. That's true. His poor um, heart's. Is. Yeah. The, people ask, where well, there's no mutant judges. Someone compliments Dredd's good Dred's good motorcycle posture. <laughs> All right. I mean, also, yeah. Yeah, also, another kid read the sci-fi special in the foothills of, of the Himalayas, which is pretty high up, like 11,000 feet. Jesus. Mid prog, we get some good judge fan art, just as different things as oh, judges. Yeah,
1: judge ET. Judge
0: ET holds his gun real weird. There's Judge Stogie, Judge Burt, even Judge Andy Cap. It's <laughs> like um, weird, but awesome. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting choice. This prog ends with the results for that Atari game competition thing from progs 335 to 338. Did we win? No. But in the way we're all winners because we get to read 2000 AD every week.
1: Oh, Conrad.
0: Yes. Yeah, you son of a bitch. See what you got. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Pug 353. Steve Dillon is back in action as Captain Strange and his weird boys attack Judge Dredd. Drop Damn. firebomb. I just I want to start
1: a gang called the Weird Boys.
0: Definitely a good time for it. Uh, Tharg the Mystic welcomes us to the comic, and there are letters from Mechquake the, about the graveyard shift and asking for the return of Sam Slade. Yeah. Mid prog, there's a rogue cho- crooper, trooper compu crossword. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's this pixel art drawing of Rogue, and then there's a crossword puzzle like inside his face. I'll give
1: you uh, the answer to both 1 and 2. It's bag and man.
0: Written right in his eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Very uncomfortable. And then, speaking of cool Rogue Trooper things, this product ends with a Brett Ewan's pinup of Venus Blue Jeans. That is amazing. Yeah,
1: it's going on a print. I just going to get put on my wall for no particular reason. Real good. I
0: love her LaRue cut. We need more space babes, buddy. That's one thing 2000 AD is missing. Lack of space, babes. I strong agree. Anyhow, soon enough, we get to the nineties. It's gonna be nothing but space, babes. Um, oh, and, awesome! <laughs> yeah. And speaking of, um, I guess more <laughs> space, babes. No, 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 no. Speaking of having a boorish attitude, <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's th- three or four slain. Oh man! Oh man! Boorish attitude, buddy uh script robot Pat Mills art robot mike McMahon letting robot Tom frame so <laughs> th- this is the only story that's not starting fresh this episode uh slain is a Celtic warrior in prehistoric times like there's the, before the flood or whatever just mm-hmm. there's stuff going on to worry about it the the, the, the the timing that much he and his dwarf Uko and their riding elephant are slowly making their way north to return to slain's people the Cessair. Slane can theoretically warp into a big, crazy monster when he wants to, but he doesn't always want to. It's good (laughs) times.
1: It's like a psychedelic body horror.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So currently they're moving through this swampy area where a time-warped monster known as the Shoggy Beast is on the prowl.
1: In fact, it's, I believe in the last episode, they commented, I wonder if that's where the Shuggy Beast lives. And it, as it be. turns out, yeah, it, yeah. I mean,
0: spoilers, it does. <laughs> it's raining really crappy, so they go to this random house to try to stay for the night. Um, While well, the owner of the of, of the house and his excellent mustache initially refuses them entry, it just I'm takes, just, you know, just some light threats and, to let Slain barge in, basically. Yeah, sorry. Oh, like, okay. you know,
1: I, we'll come back to this, but... Uh, you know, he he did refuse you like three times.
0: Yeah, maybe he had a reason. Whatever. So this mustache guy, also known as Medrod the Quiet, um, didn't want them to come in because his mother is sick up in the attic. He gives them some gruel to eat, and they all bed down for the night under one big blanket. Night falls as Medrod's uh, mother makes clanking noises upstairs, and we see that Druun war party that's been following Slain for a while, marching on. So awesome. Finally, a nearby weird stone sees with, pa- with power, causing Medrod to turn into the Shoggy Beast. He's a wereboar!
1: Oh. oh my god, we gotta beat him up. It's yeah. some really awesome action sequences.
0: Our heroes wake up to horror, and Slane draws a burning brand from the fire pit. It's monster fighting time! Oh, hell yeah! This leads us to several pages of just wordless, amazing action by by Mike McMahon as uh, S- Slain fights the Shoggy beast, and the two of them like wrestle around and vie for position, and like get do cool fighting things and stuff. It's awesome. They're grabbing each other's
1: faces and backs, and then eventually, yeah. dude grabs a spear and just shoves it right through him. And yeah, yeah Slane, I mean, Slane beast takes his
0: gay bulga and hits this monster in the chest. Does that mean it's gonna get you? Yeah. Now you're dead. And that's what happens. They investigate the 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 attic above them and they see an old lady bound and, t- and gagged up there. Slain frees her and she breaks down crying when she sees what's been done to, Me- to Medrod. Oh, my sweet shaggy boy! Apparently, um, she's been aware of his condition and for years has been chaining him up when he turned into the shaggy beast. Although he would, of course, sometimes get free and kill some people, but whatever. Um, this yeah, time, I guess though, that just happens. Yeah, one. This time, though, when she tried to chain him up, he turned on her and chained her up instead. And so Slain took him out, and she's real sad. But Uko says, "Like, hey, don't think of it as losing a son. Think of it as gaining a fur coat." So they leave. Uh, um, <laughs> it's really bad timing, man. Yeah. The next day, the Drune war party stops by, and it's clear they're looking for Slain now.
1: They're getting so, real close. Yeah.
0: Next, in the, in the next prog, Slane moves to the front of the comic as we begin the Sky Chariot story. Um, mm-hmm. Mick McMahon's still doing the art, but his art style has changed drastically from the last prog yeah, to this prog. Which is, it's still real cool. It's just different. You know, he's doing a real, he's really going all out here, I think. Um, so, so, Slain and Ukko are moving on from another town they just stopped by, Slain wishing a fond farewell, farewell to a lady named Sabra, and Ukko doing the same to, like, six or eight lady dwarfs. <laughs> Which um, I guess is the normal... Yeah, get, whatever. ...do it in a big pile. They head out <laughs> on their mammoth, when in the distance they hear a funeral bell. A local shepherd boy hears it too and wishes he was dead as well because ever since the Druids built this big dolmen gate nearby, the land and people have begun to wither and die. We see townsfolk fighting over bugs to eat when our heroes come rolling in and their hungry eyes looking at his mammoth makes him realize their situation he offers his beast up for the people to eat. They're saved. This mammoth has been like your bro for a while and he's just like, now you can kill it. Eat yep. it up. Hey, man, you know, life is cheap, and people are hungry. Uh, yeah.
1: And so, hey, you know, let's have a big stew festival.
0: Always a, always the right time for a stew festival. <laughs> so
1: delicious.
0: So they're all saved. They have a big feast to celebrate. But, th- but when that same shepherd boy from the start goes out to get more meat, he sees trouble because skull swords have come to town.
1: Oh, my God. And, hey, you know what? He doesn't look like he's completely emaciated and miserable
0: what's going on here well i should say before that in between this there's actually this um thing that pat mills wrote which is basically a two-page thing oh, talking yeah. about his research for slain and like in background about like celtic mythology and stuff and it's really cool and really just sort of shows us how much work he's done to kind of create these characters and like be w- what the inspiration for slain and his world is sort of based on that's really yeah, he's awesome trying to i ground
1: think ground it in in like reality a little bit by saying right. like hey man you can draw inspiration from the past and here's yeah. how
0: Or at least real myths and stuff, or real, like, sort of semi historical things. Yeah, it's really awesome, actually, and sort of, you know, something we don't see a lot of, but it's a cool way of just, like, yeah, Pat Mills sort of explaining what this character is about and what it kind of comes from and stuff that I think is really enlightening, just in terms of his creative process as well. Yeah, it's inspiring. Yeah. But like you said, man, these drones have shown up and they see the shepherd boy and see that he's not one hundred percent starving and <laughs> thus assume that he must have that he and his people must have like killed a dinosaur and eaten that instead.
1: Hey, what the hell? You're not supposed to do that, guy.
0: Yeah. So they kill him. Um...
1: <laughs> well, and there's there's actually there's a lot of like a backstory that's being explained here, or at least like uh history without actually doing a flashback, by mm-hmm. the way, appreciated <laughs> where it's like Okay, so there's the the guy who's writing with the skull swords is Slough, uh Throt. Yeah, and to to obtain Slough status, you really have to like work at this, man. But you also, for all the power that you gain as a drone, you also start to rot in the flesh. Yeah. so you get
0: real smelly. And which then every, is also, all your all your coat yeah all your cohorts have to wear these hair masks that like that deadens the smell. Ease. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: It's real good, so it's like, "Hey, kill this kid." <laughs> so they do.
0: <laughs> yeah, they take that kid out. Um, meanwhile, inside the village hall, the townsfolk start complaining to Slane about the drones and their magic and stuff. But Slain's like, "Slane's like, I can't help you. I'm just passing through." And suddenly, the door bursts open, and the drones run in, carrying the dead kid. And when they see that everybody's hat is in fact having a big stew party for this dead mammoth, he's like, "Oh man." Sorry about the dead kid. Anyhow, <laughs>
1: <laughs> you guys are gonna have to die now.
0: Yeah, and yeah. Well, they don't. But then the kid's father, like with tears in his oh, eyes, yeah. like jumps up, grabs his sword, and attacks them, and Slough throats. Like just kill everybody. Then I don't care. <laughs> Which pretty much, yeah. The dad
1: dies, and then in an awesome table shield event. Slane just yeah. kills everybody. <laughs> yeah, Slane,
0: Slane, fl- Slane flips the table he's at and uses it as a shield to smash into the skull swords. A massive fight breaks out, and while Slane's still too tired to go full warp spasm, he does go mad with the battle rage. And we end Slane this month with a full, awesome, full color page of Slane axe and dudes and just throwing them into a the giant cook pot and stuff. It's That's real cool. so awesome. Next time, Slain the Battle Smiter. Oh
1: god, he just throws a bunch of dudes into this delicious mammoth stew. It's so awesome, man. Slane's so great.
0: Real good slain action, man. Alright.
1: So damn good.
0: Yeah. Loving you know, really loving these slain things. Real good fighting, real good art from Mick McMahon. The uh, the way mm-hmm. he does slain looks like nothing else in the comic, you know, it's really eye-catching.
1: Love how like everyone's hair it looks super wiry and and barbaric.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, yeah, and, hey, speaking of um, delicious foodstuffs, Fox, be it a pie, <laughs> be it a mammoth stew or a tasty pie. Oh, well. It's five. Judge Dredd. Uh, script robot for Judge Dredd, John Wagner and Alan Grant is TB Grover. Art robot Kim Raymond, Mick McMahon, Ian Gibson, and Steve Dillon. Got a four-artist month this month. Jesus. Letting robot Tom Frame.
1: Hey, he stayed the same because it's all in the name. That
0: name is Tom Frame. Oh man, yeah! Don't give any orders to the man who draws the borders. It's Tom Frame. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> so it's the first time uh, Kim Raymond has done Dread here in the Prags. He did an Anderson story in the '84 Annual, but this one's pretty and, and this one's pretty fun. Uh, Dread is given a TV interview and he gets pied in the face. <laughs>
1: And he's just, uh, gives this guy six months. Hey, it's business as
0: usual, right? Right. But then when he gets back to, um, but, you know, oh, sorry. When he gets back to the base, he learns that Mega City One's love of fads and crazes means that suddenly pie and judges is the hip, is the hip new thing.
1: And everybody's blaming Judge
0: Trish. Yeah, especially Judge Stabbing, but all the judges do it. They're like, Oh, you should have ducked, Judge. You, you should have ducked that pie, Dread." Like Now we're all getting pied. Um, oh, man. And indeed, not just judges. Soon the whole city just evolves into massive pie fights. There's pie That's ambushes, drive-by piings, inter-block pie wars. They're breaking out all over the city. And like, the judges are like, I mean, usually they're shooting each other. This pie seemed fine, you know. This is great. Yeah, this, this is great. real good. We're just I mean, gonna let them yeah.
1: get all their energy out, and then we'll deal with
0: stuff. Yeah, there's no reason to be bad, mad about that, about this, until a bunch of like jerk city fathers and counselors show up because they want to preserve their dignity because they're like you know big highfalutin types and they're tired of getting pie. Wow. <laughs> Both Judge Dredd and Chief Judge Magruder rightly called the call out, say that their uh, suggested plans, which is either stiffer sentences for pie throwers or a citywide pie ban, are huge overreactions. Magruder asks if there's a pie ban, what do people who actually want to eat pies do? And the counselor suggests that they, we let them eat cake, which is kind of funny. I, I love how she's like, completely unacceptable, we're going to
1: like cut back pie supply. Yeah, I love that I got to say pie supply, and uh, and like you know, otherwise law. Don't worry about it.
0: Basically, yeah, they just have. She's just going to have pie makers cut the production back to regular thing, not like to their increased production to meet to meet demand for the fad. And then also, they're increasing surveillance at pie shops. So, we get one of my favorite uh, things that happens in a judge dread where a bunch of guys come <laughs> piling out of the pie shop with a bunch of, with their arms fulls of pies. And the judge is like, Hey, uh, where are you going with those two dozen pies? And the guy is kind of like goes, Uh, and like looks at the judge and looks at the incriminating evidence in his arms and is like, Uh, the ISO cubes? It's like, That's you right. Let's go. <laughs> So soon the fad is dying down, but not before Judge Stebbing, the judge who blamed Dredd for not ducking and starting this whole thing, gets pied when Dread ducks out of the way.
1: <laughs> well, guess you better not have mentioned that stuff. Judge Dredd's gonna make sure you get pied, I guess.
0: That's right, yeah. Now everybody in Mega City One's into the wham fetish. Anyhow, um Wow. Dude, also, weirdly weird situation where Judge Dread is
1: oddly supportive of the behavior of, uh, of the citizenry.
0: I mean, you know, he, like, judge, judge Dredd enforces the law, right? He's by the book. And the book says you get five, six months for pying a judge. But, like, you know, there's no not more than that, you know? His, <laughs> his, his relation to the law is that he's not just, like, a no-fun guy. Like, you know, he enforces yeah. it, and when people break it, like... You get think you get in trouble for it, but if you're obeying the law, then he doesn't have a problem with you. Go about your business.
1: the uh, the most the most true uh, lawful neutral.
0: Oh, I mean, who is lawful neutral if not Judge Dread? You know, um, <laughs> absolutely. So, due to some production miscues, uh, Dread is a repeat for the next two weeks after this one. <sighs> And uh, it's with just John Wagner's T.B. Grover with some classic prog 34 and 35 action. Um, I think the most interesting thing with this first one is to compare Mick McMahon's art in this era, like 1977 mm. Mick McMahon versus how he's drawing Slain right now, for instance. Yeah um but so anyhow fox let's go back to october 77 episode 10 of space spinner 2000 with the, almost a hundred episodes actually um oh, god with Muty the pig oh man i'm always sad when walter and Mawia show up but this is also sad because they're grieving the death of judge Dwed. stop it Mawia cries her eyes out at the funeral <laughs> That's terrible. As chief terrible as Chief Judge Goodman and Judge Gibson, Dred's old Dredd's old classmate, give him earnest eulogies. Dred was killed by Muti the pig, a mutant criminal that he'd been chasing. Um Dredd's research revealed that Muti was a judge in disguise, and in fact none other than Judge Gibson. Oh my
1: god, he was caught. Also yeah. Judge
0: Dredd ain't dead. Nope. <clears throat> Before Dread could act on this information, Gibson judged or gunned Dread down. But now, with Dread gone, Gibson's free to continue his reign of terror as Beauty the Pig! Or so he thinks. Because as he tries to rob a bar, his gun is shot out of his hand. It's Dread! He's alive!
1: Oh my god, in the most classic of Dread moves, I'm not actually
0: dead. Yep, I mean, you know, Dread doesn't fake his death all that much. He's definitely faked it, like, two or three times, though. <laughs>
1: I'm just saying, it happens more often than once.
0: I mean, yeah, like, I guess he definitely did fake his death in both Judge Cal and uh, the Apocalypse War, so it's fair.
1: <laughs> he only get he gets it once a year, kind of thing.
0: Could be. So, Dredd apprehends Muty the Pig and reveals him to be Judge Gibson and that his death was faked to draw Gibson out. But before he can be arrested gibson demands single combat against judge Dredd, and dread's bound by a pro no problem here so Dred's bound by a promise he made as a cadet to agree with this and they go to the to the academy of law where future chief judge griffin like has them both fight it out basically oh my god only one way i guess yeah they fight naturally Dredd wins because he's the best uh, Gibson dies and Dredd strikes him off the rolls of the Academy of Law. There's nothing worse than a bent judge. I mean, he does cite the
1: guy as his friend, which I think is interesting.
0: Yeah, um, it's interesting too just that I think it's kind of funny that since this story was before they had credit cards, the um, names the judges on the wall of both Gibson and uh, Wagner are the guys that are write, doing the art and 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 uh, writing for this for this comic. It's sort of a stealth oh, credits. Cool. Yeah, it's kind of fun. And also, this is just the first of many of Judge's, of Dredd's uh, classmates or uh, people who graduated the same year of him that have died often by his hand. Um, <laughs> oh. there's actually a recent, um, a recent Judge Dredd story in the progs that were about, like, you know, him, um, like dealing with the fact that he was the last—he's now the last person from his graduating class that has a- has um d- ha- that is still alive—and he killed a lot of them, you know. Uh, oh my god! <laughs> that was actually art art by Mick McMahon, who actually you know ha- ha- who um hasn't been the in the in two thousand eighty for a while, so it was a it was a cool story. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So we finish up. Dread is back in the color pages in the center of the prog as Steve Dillon takes over on art. A. Mopad is attacked by a bunch of highwaymen led by the evil captain strange oh man i love his face paint he's got a lot of good face paint just a lot of good like these guys guys kind of look kind of superhero-y to me maybe it's just how um steve Dillon kind of draws like characters in general that kind of gives it kind of a superhero look sometimes um but they kind of have that look like a uh what do I want to say like they have kind of like a 19 like a Rob Lee filled kind of look to them. <laughs> just oh, like like face paint action guys you know
1: yeah, yeah like uh like movie goons
0: exactly um yeah so they take over a moped they're led by the evil captain strange and he's a very like uh traditional buccaneer kind of guy like yar I'll be doing me services upon you um hey man you
1: gotta have your shtick if you're gonna be a criminal and make us anyone
0: <laughs> exactly um so dread gets the call sorry so captain strange starts blasting and dread gets the call he's in pursuit he boards the moped and starts swinging around kicking dudes and shooting them and stuff taking out captain strange's men the weird boys
1: Man, it's real good until suddenly a firebomb. I
0: guess. Yeah, well, he, he, uh, Strange tosses a firebomb at Dread, and you know, a smoke bomb or attempts to smoke bomb out. Basically, he but he uses a grappling hook, and the grappling hook breaks. And as Dread brings the moat pad to a stop, Strange dies, hanged on, hanged about the neck until dead on the side of an overpass like a highwayman of old.
1: Oh, the neck snapping sequence is
0: really horrible. It's real rough, yeah. But this is a good one. This is a real fun action-packed story. Next time, we are the G-Men. All right. Yeah. Also, uh, I was a highwayman on the Megways the I approaches. did ride. Aww. A awesome. uh, blaster and grappling hook by my side. Many a young maid lost her mopad to my trade. Many a city judge shed his lifeblood on my blade. The Ew. bastards hung me from, from the overpass of Route 25. But I am still alive. Anyhow. Wow. That's a great <laughs> Willie Nelson. Doing my best. Was that, I think that was Willie Nelson's part. Mm-hmm. Because I think Johnny Cash does the science fiction part. So. Uh, <laughs> Any- that was well. No, we won't go into. Some let's not. Let's eat. not get too far. Yeah, yeah, into Go. It. Go, yeah. go. 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 Sorry, because we got one story left. Fox. Speaking of putting things together in an odd way, it's Thrill Six Future Shocks. Ugh. Oh man. <laughs>
1: the one that got in.
0: Just one future shock this this month. Um. And it is uh, the sum of the parts. Script robot Alan Hebden, art robot Steve Hatton, lettering robot Tony Jacob, the only Future Shock this time. Future Shock's just little one-off uh, stories that, um, yeah, they sort of have a little punchline or just, they're just sort of fun mostly. Um, and they're mostly that are full space, like TBH. <laughs> <laughs> There's only one here, the arts by this guy, Steve Hatton, who only did this and one other Future Shock in 373. Um, and That's this good. one, it, 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 yeah, it's, it, it's kind of a fun one. Uh, basically there's a fighter pilot and his jet. They're flying and they get caught by aliens. The aliens take apart the jet to learn about human technology and then take apart the pilot to learn about humans. Then I guess they
1: reassemble them.
0: Yeah. They, they assure him that they'll, that they'll put them back together and they kind of do the jet comes flying into the, into its home airbase and it's all like backwards and weirdly put together and stuff. And Dominus. the same is and the same is true for the pilot. His head's all uh, backwards, and he's got a, a hand foot and a foot arm uh, and all kind. It's just real nightmare uh, fuel, real bad. You don't want to be here. It's um, real extra gross. <laughs> and speaking of extra gross, hey, that's it for uh, thrills this week, Fox. No. I, mean, Jan- I was pretty good january 1984 prox 350 to 353 one question left buddy oh, and God, that's what and you top and bottom through oh all right
1: so i'm gonna get top out of the way real quick here so um let me tell you i'm super stoked uh about rogue trooper honestly i actually mm. like This kind of more as a storyline, I guess, Hmm. where it's like he's he's basically being conscripted to do work in order to get small pieces of information. Hmm. Um which I think can kind of help extend it out a little bit. Like Rogues for me has always suffered from the fact that it's like he's moving along but without like any sort of general direction.
0: Right. He's just kind of walking the land, basically.
1: Yeah, and this feels like it could you could get some mileage out of it, um, and then have your twist be, oh my god, the the colonel's actually evil, which we all know, uh, <laughs> just kind of by looking at him. But it, it's fine. Like, it was actually good. I'm, I'm really excited to see it. Um, I wanted to give a special call out to um, uh, DR and Quinch. Really, really fucking excited for that. I was blown out of the water. My expectations were low, and it <laughs> was very, like, fucking fantastic. Nice. Um, and really, it's like this kind of neck and neck because... Who boy slain and who boy strontium dog? You guys are fucking fantastic. And choosing any particular one of them is rough,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: I'll tell you, I'm I'm just gonna go with the oldie but the goodie of strontium dog. I love this setup. I love the idea of them showing up to uh, a death cult's big death <sighs> party and just there to collect bounties and doing this whole counterplay thing that they do so well. That is not mm-hmm. to diminish Slain, which was absolutely fucking fantastic. Breakout everything. Um, I'm really excited for the Drones. Fuck it, I'll go Slain. Slain's number one.
0: All right.
1: Okay. <laughs> I'm into backstory. I'm into how they handled backstory. The Drones and the Skull Swords are just so fucking cool.
0: Nice. Um, yeah, Adam I agree.
1: G- Judge, goddamn Dread. Mm. I'm gonna be perfectly honest. Yeah, that's fair. It's my first time putting Judge Dread in a bottom spot at least that I recall. Um, and Man O' oh Man, uh, Pie Fight, great. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, weird Gang, kind of cool.
0: Could have been a little longer, give me some more stuff, but... Sure. Like. Yeah, that that uh, <laughs> so, that uh, 1977 stuff, even though that's a classic one, is still just like, I thought we were past this, you know? Well, and <laughs> they
1: also have so many that they could choose from. Mm-hmm. And they choose Muty the Pig. Like, you could have done two standalone ones to fill in that were more fun and more interesting than mm. like, usually uh, the pig was just like, I, I remember it um, like, it, like within the first couple of pages. Right. Cause it's like, Oh yeah. God, he's dead. I'm like, what the fuck is this? And then it's like, Oh, Oh, it's this guy who is, it's his friend who turns on him, but then he gets him. And I'm like, this is like, I don't know. It's kind of transparent. It's, I think you're right. It's neat to see how the arts changed. Um, and it's pretty fascinating. <laughs> But also, like you know, first yeah. month and like I, I I can understand there was some kind of production issue. But yeah, it was it was just kind of a downer for me because I was yeah. really stoked
0: to read Dread this month. I hear you for sure. No, that makes that total sense to can. me. What's your
1: tippity-top and a booty-bottom?
0: There's a lot of good stuff this week, or, or this month, Sorry. I should say. Um, you know, a lot of these guys are really just showing up and really doing character-defining things. You know, I love DR and Quinch. They're out of the gate being really crazy and just reprehensible, and I like that yeah. a lot. Um, I Yeah, Slane's real good. I'm really excited for this uh, for the Sky Chariot story we're starting right now. But for me, my number one has got to be Strontium Dog, buddy. Hell yeah, um, man. God, I love so this. Good. I love this story. And just like, I, you know, like we were talking, like a, like my video game pitch, um, just the different ways that you could work on this story and go forward with it, like outside of it, like just the set, this setting specifically as a future thing in so the Strontium Dog world is really neat. And I really like it. Um, for bottom, I'm going to go with you and say Judge Dredd, man. Uh, yeah, it's, you know... There are, I feel like they're a little hemmed in because actually they've been using a lot of comics from this mm-hmm. era as their reprints and like annuals and things. Mm-hmm. Um, like these sort of like ones from like the 30s and the 40s basically have been in a lot of an, of dread and 2000 AD annuals. Um, and yeah, like I, like again, I like the, the art's kind of interesting to see how McMahon and Gibson's styles have compared or have grown and changed in the ensuing like seven years or so. But. Oh, yeah in the end like all these old ones just you know they're fun or they can be interesting but this one especially really suffers from the fact that they're telling stories very quickly and then and thus that having like twists and turns and stuff means that there's never enough time for suspense or for things to really work you know like we've got dread being dead but he's like way alive by the end of the comic you know you can spend yeah. so much time in the flashback with dread being you know, we, we get the funeral, then we see Dread being killed, then Dread's back alive. Like those are the three beats of the, of the comic, and so you don't have enough time to sort of ruminate on any of those. You know, if we if we did this nowadays, this would be that one issue would be spread out into like three issues. You know, you'd start with the funeral, you, you'd start with like Dread being killed, then you have the funeral, then Dread comes back. You know, yeah, or something exactly. like that. Like it's just hard to tell. Like there's not a lot of motivation for Gibson's character. You know, it's just not like a Ba- based on the dread stories we're seeing now i feel like it's just not it's not up to it's no this is no longer up to snuff with um more hey, modern dread stuff I agree you know and it was good at the, yeah. so it was good at the time like i forget if we how much what we felt about it back in episode 10 but episode 109 i need us i need a thicker stew that's all i'm trying to say uh, <laughs> perhaps made out of mammoth something but yeah it's just you know it's gotta up the game a little bit so yeah, anyhow, hopefully you know, and I, I don't think we'll have a ton of repeats like this in the near future. So this will just be a one-time thing, or a one and every, and every once in a while kind of thing. So anyhow, I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, or on our podcast site at SpaceSpinner2000.com. Feel free to contact us at SpaceSpinner2000 at gmail.com. On the 2080 forums, or on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages on Twitter, we're at SpaceSpinner2K. Everything else, Spinner 2000 that's us, buddy. Um and then come back next time as dr and quitch continue to go girl crazy and then get drafted slain gets slain gets high strontium dog oh. kills and will all be inspired by the rags to riches tale of citizen snork Okay. Until then, I'm Con. Yeah, it's gonna be good. Until then, I'm Conrad East Fox, and we are Space Winter 2000.